All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. This is Twist Gaming, where you get to play board games with us, and we are bringing you another episode of our Great Game Hunters podcast, where we go through the ins and outs of Kingdom Death, uh, everything from the lore to strategies to uh, heartbreaking information. But first up, who are we? As usual, I'm Matt, and I'm joined here with... Josh. And Finn. And uh, Fen, thank you so much for uh, helping us out today. I know all of our fans are super excited to hear from you again, and uh, we're excited to be back after a brief hiatus here at the Great Game Hunters. Well, you know how it is in the world of Kingdom Death. You just have long periods of silence with no communication. That's the way we do it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of our specialty, you know? Oh, this is a KDM specialty. Exactly. It, yeah, yeah. It's all those long distances traveling between settlements with nothing but a lantern. It's hard to get news around. But never fear, we came back, and uh, we're going to be doing a kind of a recap, catch up, what the hell's been going on stream. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, put a lot of focus. Go ahead, Fan. So a little bit of a mini look at, uh, at the one bit of game material we've had released recently. Absolutely, and talk about uh, some of the stuff that was shown off at Gen Con, uh, some of the demos and stuff that we did there, and kind of dig a little bit more in-depth into that, and uh, just general Kingdom Death stuff. Yep. So, first up, uh, I know, first on the agenda here, Fen, you had the Kickstarter. Do you want to tee us off with that? Yeah, yeah, it's just more of a a kind of observation thing of a lot of people now are kind of getting a bit sort of anxious about the lack of kickstarter updates and the kind of way the information is being relayed out we're what six months since an official update about the kickstarter something around that time Um, yeah i think we're around there yeah yeah and I, i mean like for starter i knew going in adam's like this you get silence for long periods and he he's He's a perfectionist in everything he does. So even in this, he's like, oh, I'm not going to put this out if it's not good enough. Um, but people have kind of started to get a bit anxious and, and concerned. And also, there's a lot of rumoring flying around. So, I mean, most of the information we got came from Gen Con. And there was supposed to be a Gen Con update. And it hasn't hasn't dropped out. So, I mean, I, did, did, uh, did you guys get a chance to talk to him too much when you saw him? Uh, we got to talk uh, with Adam a bit and some of the other staff. Um, I mean, it's, it's Adam being Adam, um, like being a fan. I don't think, did you back the first Kickstarter? I did. I observed the whole thing. Okay. So like first Kickstarter, like for people who haven't gone through this rodeo yet, first Kickstarter, Adam was really bad with communications. I almost forgot about the game. Yeah, actually, actually, I spent a lot of money on it, but like I was just like, all right, I I knew, but that's actually when I first uh, became friends with Josh. He was telling me about this board game that he backed, and then that kind of dropped off the face of the earth. And then like two years later, he's just like, what are these gigantic boxes that came in on my birthday? Yeah, it was on my birthday, and uh, he opens it up and he's like, oh, that's right, <laughs> this is a game I ordered forever ago. <laughs> oh, oh. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of uh, the story. A lot of people have said is just there was a silence, and then he did deliver. It did turn up. It was really good. But yeah. yeah. Um. It, well, it, he has actually just recently like said on on Twitter that he needs to get better at doing this and uh, put some news out. In particular, I think. There's there's a small section of the community, I don't know how large, but they're quite upset with the changes to the Nightmare RAM. 
not so much that it's been changed as such, although there are a few people who are upset that it's been changed. It's more of it's been changed from its core concept, and we haven't had an update about this, because I thought that would have been a very cool update to receive, to say, hey, we've been working on Nightmare Ram. Originally, it was going to be this thing taking place in its dungeon garden with shifting tiles. This was the pitch. We've moved on because that wasn't working, and now it's this. And when he talked about it on the videos, did he talk to you guys about it? Yeah, that was actually our interview that everyone got so upset over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I mean, I watched it, and I thought, like, you know what? I I don't care because, ultimately, if he's not happy the way it's working originally and he changes it, uh, as long as I get the Nightmare Ram model and it turns out to be a good fight, I don't mind. But I, I, I get it, and I think it would have been really great for a design thing. Um, to, to have him go through a bit of it and, and maybe just after Gen Con, after your interview, just give us an update on Nightmare Realm update. Say, you know, I've just done this uh, interview with Twist and I talked about this and I'll go into it in a bit more more detail. Um, at least we got something from you guys and that was probably my favourite of all of the interviews that came out with regards to some detail of actually what's coming as well as obviously the Screaming God and um, Black Knight showdown. Um, demos um, but yeah I, I I hope that he does sit down soon and writes up uh, an update otherwise I think we might not get anything until Black Friday that was one of the uh, the topics of conversation definitely when we uh, met and were talking to Adam at Gen Con is uh, very much that he's trying to get better at the communication and managing the entire project versus actually jumping in and getting his fingers into every single aspect of every single expansion and detail in the game. He's putting a lot more trust on his staff to do stuff, and he's saying it's been very hard to let go because of how invested he is and passionate he is about the entire project, but at the same time, he sees the benefits of it improving the pace at which things are being released. Yeah, I mean, I personally think he'd benefit a great deal from being able to step away from being the frontline public face um, on a lot of things and having somebody do at least some of the public relations stuff. Obviously, you want Adam for the interviews. He's a, he's a great character on camera. Uh, he's always interested to talk with. Um, I sound like I've talked with him. I haven't. Uh, but he's, he always seems to be very, uh, very engaging in, in interviews. Um, but I, th- I think it'd be nice for him if he had somebody to share the load who he can say, okay, here's the stuff I want you to talk about. Go do it, and I'll do the final like check and say, I approve this. This gets the Poots seal of approval. Stamp it. Wax, wax on the screen, you know, and send it off. Yeah, so like I, I was talking with Poots about a lot of different things, and the communication was on them. The other thing, like, uh, and I think this is going to kind of go into our next topic of... Uh, stock of items and stuff like that that they're working on um so for those that don't know they have a resin caster in france i want to say yeah. france or italy one of those countries it's, it's france, your, yeah it's a france um it's, it's a very the old, the old guy isn't it yeah it's an old guy like this kingdom dots their only customer now they strictly just make kdm models uh and they're maxed out at capacity on how much they can make each month. Like, yeah. it's not like he's like, oh, he's like, all right, I'm going to hold on for like three months to get stock in so we could sell them. And that's what we got. Like, it's not like, uh, so I was talking, that's why they've been doing the photo resin of the 3D yeah. prints um, to try to up production. They're also looking for to work with another resin caster. Um, 
So uh, we were talking about um, he's looking at a resin caster to do bust. Ooh, Ooh. I, I'm so pleased. I actually emailed him. He didn't bother responding, but basically I said, Adam, print busts and print 54mm versions of your survivors. Yeah. Do it, please. See, he's, he's looking for a resin caster uh, to try out a bust and see how that goes. Oh, that's so, so good. So maybe we'll see that this year. I don't know. I, I, I have no timelines. This was just stuff we casually talked about. Um, yeah. He's working with his resin caster in France and things might change the help with production but it's years down the line not anything soon yeah it's not anything that's going to impact the immediate yeah. uh, forecasting um so that's why he's yeah. kind of going the plastics and stuff like that uh so the other thing we had was we had and we're going to talk about the echoes a little bit more but so uh they brought 500 echoes to gen con um, and that was uh, in conversations with them in previous yeah. years at Gen Con, 500 had been the limit of things that they've sold for the entire weekend, and typically they don't hit. They, 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 they've never sold 500 of one item at yeah. Gen Con. Yeah. It and sold out on the second, Friday. Midway through the second day. They were um, they sold over 400 and change units on day one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, they're... I think we're going to have a little bit of growing pain as they figure out what the right number for especially gameplay content. Yeah. The demand has been shooting up significantly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I just looking now. First Kickstarter, 5,410 backers. Second Kickstarter, nearly 20,000 backers. And that's not including late pledges or anything like that. So, I mean, that's uh, that's five times the audience. So yeah. I, I'm not surprised. It's got to be what, like, there's got to be twenty to 30,000 people worldwide who are clamoring for this stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a pretty so I think trying to find that demand in everything is what they're trying to do. Um, yeah, and when talking about it, he's actually given his staff kind of the power to say, all right, how much stock do we need? He, he's not taking that over. Oh, uh, he's trying he's trying to have his staff figure that out and stuff, and, and he's leaving it up to them. So there might be some growing pains there as the staff themselves learn of the crazy demand of everything. Um, so, so that was some of the interesting conversations we were having with with Adam as they, they try to grow through these demand issues. Yeah, yeah, well, that's really good to, to hear about because I'm sure, like it, it with with the as mentioned, with the silence we've been through, it, it often feels like there's nothing happening and nothing's changing. Uh, it makes a lot of sense now that there's some silence if things are moving around within the company and it's sort of a shift in the power structure and people are being given different roles and stuff because you've got to take your time getting things like that right. You, you absolutely do. Um, and and that's uh, that's really good to hear. I Also, I've I got to say, I don't know how much you're talking about the photo resins um, and they've been uh, uh, another one of those things in the community that's kind of like divides things a bit. Uh, people are sort of... Uh, a bit. So, some people are really against the photo resins. Um, I love them. I gotta say, like as soon as I heard about uh, that he was printing photo resin stuff, I was like, "This is great." Uh, there's some guys I know in the UK, Foregrounds. They do terrain. They're, they're the only people who do pre-painted, um, laser-cut like buildings that you can assemble. They're gorgeous, like range of, of different buildings, old west and uh, you know, like medieval and all, all, all things like that. Um, they just recently moved into doing photo resin themselves and they've worked out how to make it commercially viable on a quite a large scale. Um, 
So I'm really happy that Adam's moving that way as well, because I think photoresin is going to do a lot to help with the demands. And also, they don't have to worry about overprinting. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I did manage to get um, uh, the Kingdom Death High speaker, but I did get um, uh, Till Death Do Us Part, and I love those models so much. I actually want to get another set of them. I, I use them as starting survivors now. So that's just great news. Awesome. And like some other KDM news, like headquarters, since they're not talking about it, um, they just increased the size of the headquarters. I think it's Ooh. triple the size now. Because uh, he took over the two units next to him. Ah, uh, is he, uh, he's still in New York then? Yeah, he's still in New York. Uh, he's still in the same place he's been. He's just expanding out to the other units uh, that are next to him. Um, so like when I went, when I went there, it was cramped. Um, yeah, I bet it was, it was really cramped. There was, they had like six play testers on like, they had two or three six foot tables kind of set up on one side of the room that they were all at. And then they had the whole design team on the other half. Like there was 10 people in this little room that wasn't that big. Uh, so they're, they're kind of starting to expand. That just happened recently. So they're, they're expanding the office. Um, they're moving around their storage supplies and stuff like that. So there's that whole side of it as well as they, they're kind of trying to grow physically at their location. Cause uh, th- that, that's something I know Adam's been working on for like two years now. Um, yeah. Getting that done. Well, it's good. I mean, he's, he's got like, as you say about, uh, as I said, about like five, six times the audience he had previously. So it, it's good that he's had the finance to be able to expand. And I mean, uh, hopefully, do you know how many playtesters he's got now? <sighs> Not 100% sure. There, there's, there's a handful of them. He, he has expanded the playtesting. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah, the, 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 yeah it's definitely, definitely a much larger playtester crowd uh, that was at Gen Con, even you know, compared from last year to this year. Yeah, there's a lot of new faces. They brought That's 24 it. people with them, and it was all staff. Yeah. Didn't they have some of the sculptors having to help people with the queue? Uh, yeah, yeah. They had uh, they had a few sculptors helping people in the queue. Um, so. <laughs> Who, who was there on sculptors? Was Jack there? Yeah, Jack was. I, Jack, I think Jack might have been the only one there. Right. Um, yeah, he he was managing the queue line on a uh, on Thursday, I think. Because <laughs> uh, it, it was re- they had a line, so we got Matt and I since we were pressed, we got in early at nine. Yep. And right where they let you in is right at the KDM booth. Uh, that that's where the door opens in for early access. Yeah. Uh, there was already a line with some vendors in there. Mm-hmm. People got in line there. Uh, we did our interview Thursday afternoon. Yeah. Yep. And we were there till after the hall closed. Almost 45 minutes after the hall closed. Uh, and the line was just finishing for the day. Yeah, I saw some uh, up on the, the King of Death Discord. They put up some pictures of the people waiting in the queue, and it was like... Oh my goodness! I would not want to be there at all. So many people, like so many. Yeah, it was a ridiculous amount of people waiting in line, and uh, it was funny when we got the early access and we were talking with uh, Zach Barish over by line entrance because he was actually corralling people into the booth. Yeah. Uh, everyone was just like hoarding around. They're like, "Are you in line? Are you in line?" I'm like, "No, no, go go ahead in line." They're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> 
It was very aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, um, I do have a couple of questions as you guys were there. Did you have a chance to um, ask at all about... Because they had a lot of the plastics on display, um, you know, for the up-and-coming release of the pinups and everything. Did you did you have a chance to ask at all? Because the dung beetle night one intri- intrigued me a fair bit because she was at least she's on a fifty four mil base. Now, was that? Do you know if that was just for demonstration purposes or if she's actually going to be f- that size? Because um, she's the size. Of, she looks around the size of the actual dung beetle night. Uh, that I do not know. I, we oh. we didn't really talk about the models and stuff. Um, I, I kind of just glanced at them quickly. Um, the only thing we really talked about was the gambler with his big ball. Yeah. Uh, about making that production ready. <laughs> We're trying to make that production ready. Yeah, yeah, that's um that that's a lot of pieces to assemble that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking at it now and jeez, oh, your the actual gambler himself is going to be multiple cuts. I hope to goodness that they don't cut the lanterns the way they normally do because they're a nightmare, but the ball, oh jeez, that ball's going to be See. You can't you can't just slice it into um, sixteenths, so it's going to be smaller than that. You're going to have a fun time painting that one, huh, Ben? Oh, I'm going to have to paint it in parts and assemble it. So the idea that Adam was talking about was trying to make it kind of more like a clamshell, so it's only like two pieces or fewer pieces. Uh, we'll see if it works. That's that's tricky. With the right kind of mold, you could do it for sure. Yeah, I mean that would make it a lot easier for uh, us, um, for assembly. I'd hope for painting purposes, it'd at least be in four pieces or eight. Yeah. Um, it, it, might, it might be a handful of pieces, but like it, right now, it's like yeah, a jigsaw puzzle, a three D jigsaw puzzle. I can imagine. Yeah, it'd be a bit rough to assemble as, as it is. Well, sir, I, I, I would have. Well, if I'd have been there, I'd have probably just been talking to Adam about the models, really. Um, but yeah, it's good to it's good to know that everything. I mean, I liked seeing that the photo resin printed um, additional. Uh, what is it? Lonely, not lonely lady. What are the name of the ladies who are coming with the parasite queen? Oh, I forget them. You got me on that one. Uh, they're, they're, they're the naked women with the lantern. Ah, it's been one of for ages, and he just released a new one. But he print, had it there, printed in photo resin. It was nice to see that. It was nice to see the parasite queen as well, who's got kind of uh, very. Uh, she's got a design that reminds me of the king. So it sort of echoes it in some ways. Obviously, she's not wearing the robes that he is, but there's uh, there's definitely some similarities. And the the the, the frog dog, of course, and the honeycomb weaver. Very impressive. But I would have liked to have known about the Dung Beetle Knights and also the first heroes, because they also appear to be on 54 mil bases. Are they, because mechanically it makes sense if they sat on bases that size, but are they, are they gonna be that big or is this just a show? Because they look like they're made out of plastic. Who knows? Anyway. We'll find out when they come out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what well, we don't know. Um, probably early next year. Yeah. Or maybe next Gen Con. Who knows? Um, they're still working on design and stuff, so it's it's not even at the printer yet. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like the plastic has been tooled, at least, whether it's being cast up or not. It certainly seems like it's... Um, because those are not just uh, photoresin prints. Yeah, yeah. The, the pl- a lot of the plastic's done. So yeah. that's uh, that. Uh, if you watch the interview, that's what Adam was saying. Uh, a lot of the plastic's done. So now they're trying to go back on game content and get that all, all wrapped. And how their development works for monsters and stuff. I I don't know how gambler chat since that's a lot of like extra rules and stuff. Yeah. But typically, what happens is. Uh, designer will get a monster with some basic concepts of like what they want done. Adam will give like, all right, this is, this is what's going to happen. Uh, they'll design the fight and, yep. and pretty much do that. And then it kind of gets shelved for Adam to look over and do that. Um, and then all the story and the gear and all that comes afterwards. Um, so I, I know like some monsters have been worked on, but then they get shelved and come back later and and get relooked at and things like that. Um, yeah. So so it, it, they have a very interesting development cycle. Um, well, I, I think actually um, I've done a lot of um, involvement in board game design anyway and playtesting for people. And it's good to take the design, complete it, and shelve it for a while. Uh, and, and always have somebody else take a look over it. But... Like, even just yourself, I have to shelve things and come back to them, like, usually three, four weeks later, because suddenly you look at it with a different eye, and it's no longer, like, your your baby that you spent all this time on. It's like you're a bit set away from it, and you can go, all right, well, that makes sense, that doesn't, that needs to go, and, and so on. So, yeah, that's a, a pretty good process to have, yeah. Um, I did check. They're called Illuminated Ladies. That's the ones I was trying to get the name of. So. Isn't that what you like to go by also, Josh? No? Okay. Not even, not even worth an answer. No, not, not at all. Yeah. Um, okay, well, shall we talk about the plastic that has been released? This, well, you mentioned it, the, this 500 units, and then there was 2,500 in the shop. Yep, so we, we had the Echoes... Um, it was a redesign on some of the generics, right? Because they weren't the same as the resins. Uh, yeah, they are absolutely not the same as the resins. Um, not even even gear-wise. So uh, we're talking about Echoes of Death. And yep. this is the $60 mini expansion with four models and some game content. I'm going to say straight away that four models for $60, $15 a piece for this size, this quality... It's like a very good price. So as long as you're interested in the models, the, the you get the game content as well as a bonus. I think if you approach it from the other direction, it's not really sixty dollars of game content, but you can't take one without the other. You know, it's like as a whole. Um, it's uh, yeah, they are the the thief, the mage, the necromancer, and the fighter, and all of them are sort of uh, recast uh, and redesigned. So the versions we get in the generic hero line are quite fantastical, and they have generally different unusual gear, like um, the Necromancer wears a kind of a frilly gothic dress, and uh, it's surrounded by skeletons, which is not something... We don't really see animated skeletons. I do apologize for the noise, if you can hear it. Uh, no, the birds are excited about the skeletons. 
Yes, they are. Uh, funny story is uh, Adam is a very big uh, undead skeleton kind of guy. Yeah. A- and that is the reason why they're not in KDM. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, he doesn't want to put things he enjoys in it. <laughs> uh, That's he, odd, but I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah, Separate he, business I, from pleasure. It's more of like these are overused themes as well. And like he doesn't want – he wants this to be something different and he wants something – he wants things that are actually scary and stuff, and he's like, I don't feel like these are scary anymore because I... I've seen them everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it it kind of helps market to the Chinese market as well, because obviously they have a, a taboo when it comes to skulls and things, and bones. Um, not that I'm sure he thought of that. But I'm actually pleased he doesn't really have stuff like orcs and dwarves and things. Uh, but he does seem to have elves creeping in. I don't know exactly where that lands. We, have, we do have the Dark Elf Survivor. Um, and the anonymous survivor is very elf-like as well, and then there's Pathfinders of Death has two elves in it, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with all of those. But yeah, uh, so um, I was taking a bit of a look at these. I've I've got my set assembled. I painted the thief, and they're all now dressed in gear that, and dressed in carrying gear that you can get in campaign. They're an odd scale. They're the same size as the new roll survivors. Have you seen those yet? I've seen. I haven't put them together yet. Or I, I don't have. I don't have mine yet. But uh, yeah, yours are due in wave four. Yeah, something like that. Wherever it comes in. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they're like. Uh, let me just let me just hold up. I've got Urza here as the villain, and uh, this is whatever the name of the male priest is. So she is. She's around the same height as the male priest, ever so fractionally taller, but she's sort of built to a large proportion. It's like the original models, the uh, armor kits and everything, kind of like a 32 mil scale. These things are more like 35. They're approaching old Joe. And then the Echoes of Death are that scale as well. So they are bigger. I actually prefer the larger scale. I wish they'd all been done in that scale to start with because it's it's as a, a modeler and a painter it's much nicer to work with these models um but it's very noticeable the the fighter is even bigger again she's like she's nearly the size of old joe but that makes sense because she's meant to represent someone with giant's blood like yeah a big, big survivor um and uh yeah so gear wise um the thief has raw like full rawhide armor um, a little backpack with a couple of lanterns and a, a stone face that, because she's a hoarder, so she sort of pinches things. And she's got two bone daggers, which I kind of found a little amusing because this is one of those. I don't know if you guys ever fell into this, but I've, numerous people have always assumed that bone daggers are paired, and they're not. And it seems like even the design here, she has two bone daggers, the paired attacking. Maybe she's ambidextrous or using blood paint. Maybe, maybe, you know, who knows? Uh, it's 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 just like the, aesthetically, the bone daggers look better paired than singularly. Anyway, it's sort of well. Anyway, uh, you got the mage. She's transformed a great deal. Originally, she's sort of wearing like silks and and um, very dark kind of almost a, a kimono style, and now she's wearing silk armor from uh, Spidiculus. Um and holding. I don't know what the weapon is. The weapon's definitely not matching anything we normally have. 
Uh, it's a very clean sword. It, it's got kind of a honeycomb thing on the end. Um, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, the hilt has a, a selection of faces around it. It might be a teaser for a weapon coming up ahead, or it might just be a cool design that they wanted to do. I really like this model. Um, I, I mean, Silk Armor's the most gorgeous of all the armor sets anyway. Yeah, and and um, we'll have to see how it turns out. But uh, definitely, definitely my favorite of the models is the Mage. The Necromancer has a weird set. She's got uh, rawhide on the feet, lantern armor on the body and waist, uh, leather on the arms by the look of it, and a king's spear, which is just, I mean, she's all over the place timeline-wise. It's like its like she's been down to the um, the lantern city and run into, uh, run into the Cyclops knight, and he's just gone, here, have this lantern armor. Maybe it's a new hybrid set coming out. It'd be nice. I wouldn't complain. Um, uh, although rawhide legs are a bit rubbish. <laughs> no, not legs. Um, boots. They don't really do much. And then the fighter is also kind of a bit all over the place. She's got um, lantern armor, uh, legs and waist, leather body. I'm not sure. I think it's unarmed on the uh, on the arms. Because he's all appear to be core game gear, leather shield, and a bone axe, which is just like again. I mean, it's a big bone axe, and I would have loved them to have a late game version of the bone axe that's like big and big and badass. Who knows? Maybe uh, what is it? The um, death armor set might have a giant bone axe. Yeah, from the or it had a giant scythe, didn't it? It's certainly having a scythe, yeah, and there's some other bits pictured. A belt was shown and some other stuff, yeah, who knows. Mostly, though, I think these are, these have what they have for artistic purposes, aesthetics. Still, it's nice that, it's nice to see models armed up with gear from the game, and I think the models are, are stunning. They come with the usual little cards, you know, art cards. Well, that's the better stuff, and the strain system, which is the, the thing that got every, a lot of people very excited when they they saw it. So I know we talked about before. You've already unlocked some of these strains, right? Yeah, I've unlocked uh, three out of four, and I I'm I'm set up to unlock ethereal pact, um, but I just have to to get there. Um, not. Qu- I don't want to go uh, grinding out a load of level three lions just to unlock it quickly. <laughs> no, that's not. That's not what I'm, I'm playing for. But yeah, it's. Uh, I, I pushed through. It, it turned out I had a campaign that was in a good position to unlock these, so I just pressed on with it. Um, I am gonna. Uh, once I move, I'm gonna be replaying, and we're gonna relock the, uh, relock them, and unlock them again. But I wanted to get an experience of what it was like to play with this kind of legacy system strainers. Uh, yeah, so uh, what do you think about it? Um, I, the details uh, with the fighting arts and the unlocks. I like it. We, we haven't had a chance to actually play with them yet. So, But from going over them, I, I like the idea of them. Yeah, I think it's very interesting to have a more... I don't know, camp, 
overarching campaigny thing. I don't know what the best way to say it is for the for the strain. Legacy. Legacy. There you go. Yeah, legacy. Yeah. Kind of a, a light legacy element added into Kingdom Death. Uh, just seeing the additional game content being added in with this and just giving another tweak to the game itself, I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, it's um, technically there is a legacy element already in the game, but I don't think many people play with it, which is the Lost Settlement track. I yeah. do actually fill that in as I complete a campaign. I go, okay, well, that settlement's done, so I'm going to record it as Lost, whether it's a win or a you know, a defeat, it's still, that settlement's done. Um, my track's quite far up. Which is interesting, but this is, this is even better than that. So, for those of you who didn't manage to get your hands on a copy of Echoes of Death, the strange system is a way for your exploits to permanently alter the future of your Kingdom Death campaigns. You get four milestone strain cards, which are the, these lovely looking black cards. On one side they have a, it's like a, like an affinity image actually, but it's just in black and white. And on the other side you have uh, details of a milestone condition, which tells you when you achieve a certain milestone, you're going to get to do something, and then below you have a permanent effect. And each one of them essentially has a nice bit of flavor text, and then unlocks a fighting art that permanently joins your fighting art deck. Uh, and, um, well, which one would you guys like to look at first? So real quick, that icon in the back, that's the milestone icon? It's yeah. just a, it's a filled in checkbox. That's what it is. Ah, uh, oh yes, and, of course. And uh, I think it's on the uh, the steps of the settlement sheet on the uh, the settlement little piece of cardboard thing. Oh yeah, the settlement sheet. Yeah, it, the picture of the strain system has it laying on there, which is where you put the milestones. I can't remember. I'd assume it matches the icon underneath. Yeah, yeah, it matches the same icon. So it's yeah. just a little milestone checkbox. Yeah, um, you're right. All right, so let's. I'm gonna go in the order I have here. I have the uh, giant strain first. Yeah. Well, I, I think we should go um, giant ethereal pact backstabber, then infinite lives last. Then. Okay. Right. So, uh, so we have the giant strain, which is uh, when a, a survivor with a marrow hunger impairment has a child from intimacy, you trigger this. Yeah. Oh, uh, just to say, spoilers coming ahead for Echoes of Death for those of you who don't want spoilers. But it's a very small expansion, and I think it's, you spoil yourself the moment you open it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you want to read the uh, permanent effect? Sure. Uh, so that's the giant strain. The permanent effect here is ardent splinters of bone gnaw into the survivor's brain, halting their pituitary function. The deviation is passed to their offspring. Permanently add the giant's blood fighting art to your fighting art deck. This, uh, the survivor's newborn child gains the giant's blood fighting art and choose one in case of twins. So what's the, uh, giant's blood fighting art then? Flipping over to it now. So, Giant's Blood Fighting Art is you overproduce growth hormones. When you gain this fighting art, gain plus one strength and minus one evasion permanently. You may consume skulls. If you do, gain the marrow hunger impairment. So, I don't know. I'm not a, a huge fan of losing evasion. What about you, Josh? Um, You become murder fodder. Because you get marrow hunger. That's true. 
Fen, how do you feel about uh, Giants Blood? Okay, so obviously this was being discussed a fair bit, and um, like uh, people have had the initial reaction of well, trading uh, one evasion, which is considered one of the two most valuable stats for strength, which is one of the most easy stats to get, is not a great deal. And yeah, Josh, as you said. Uh, basically, people have gone, well, at least I've got somebody now who can eat a skull and get murdered instead of my favourite survivor who's nearly got weapon proficiency. Um, I do actually think, though, that um, there is a place in the game for plus one strength, minus one evasion. I've spent a lot of time looking at Spediculus recently, and one of the things in there is you get Rival Scar, which is exactly this, plus one strength, minus one evasion. It's actually relevant and useful um, in the early game, because... When your weapons are about 2 to 3 strength, 4 strength is a significant increase. You know, from 3 to 4 strength is an increase in 33% of your power, you know. It's, yeah, that's correct. Anyway, it's, um, it, you know, like, you, you, 3 to 4 is a significant step, especially when the monsters have 8 uh, toughness. And you lose the evasion, but in the early game, you can use Rawhide very much to control who the monster's going to attack. And the monsters are more predictable, the... Gorm tends to attack targets in front of it. The White Lion, the same. Uh, even Spediculus is fairly predictable because it's the Spiderlings that do the attacking. And they, again, they're very predictable in who they're going to attack. So you can almost negate the minus one evasion. But once you start moving on to the harder monsters, this is not the kind of survivor who you're going to be relying on at all. Uh, so it becomes a bit of a duffer in the mid to late game. Um some comments have been really that it needed to be like, say, plus three strength in order to trade for minus one evasion. And that would have been like completely busted in the early game, like incredibly powerful, uh, but fair in the mid and late game. So I don't think this is as bad as my initial reaction was, which was this is garbage. Uh, it does have a place in the game. Um, and it's okay for some fighting arts to be kind of eh. But, yeah, um, it would have been cool is if uh, it was kind of like people of the skull, where you, when you yeah. ate the skull, you got a plus, like plus one strength or something. Yeah, yeah, it's a, something more trigger. Yeah, if when you consume the skull, you do gain plus one strength and the marrow hunger impairment. Yeah, or something. Um, and, yeah, and then you could just kind of try to farm like skulls aren't that easy to get. So no, like, no. There, if we, there's the relentless fighting art that gives you them. Yeah, but like it, it, they're not easy to get. So like I think if it added plus one strength every time you ate a skull, that could kind of scale up in the game with you. Yeah, um, and, and that would make it interesting. Lose an evasion every time too. I don't know about losing the evasion every time, but well, there's a certain point where my negative evasion just doesn't matter. Like yeah. in the early game, if a monster hits you on two plus, it doesn't matter if it hits you on one plus because yeah. one plus is two plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you just get negative evasion. It's like whatever. I'm just gonna. I'm just not going to be near you. Everybody else stand in the way. I'm over here with the bow. Or I'm over I'm here with the, uh, the really buff guys using the bow. <laughs> it's a really big bow. It's hard to pull back. It's an art bow, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, what do you want to go next, Fen? Uh, ethereal Pact. The Ethereal Pact. Okay. Uh, so the ethereal culture strain, uh, milestone condition when a survivor consumes a brain mint gear while they are at four plus black lichen strange resources in the settlement storage. So this is obviously something that's going to happen late game considering black lichen you can't get until you defeat level three monsters. Yep. 
any level 3 monster. Adam's confirmed that includes the expansion ones at level 3, except for the White Lion. So, I think the White Lion doesn't give Black Lycan. Um, huh. Yeah. Which, which I've just remembered now, because when I was saying I don't want to grind level 3 White Lions, I realised that's the reason I don't want to grind level 3 White Lions, because they wouldn't give me anything. Um, that's just a mistake on my part. I'm glad I didn't make it. And Can you imagine? I've sat there, like, having killed a level 3 White Lion. And, All day like, long. There's no, there's no Black Lycan. I've just wasted this year's hunt. Uh, I could have hit a loop pinata instead. Um, but yeah, yeah, so uh, anyway, carry on. So the permanent effect associated with this one here is Black Lycan in storage blooms, blanketing the settlement and its inhabitants with harmless spores. A bacteria carried in the brain mint forms a symbiotic mass of fungus and bacteria in the unwilling survivor's brain. The survivor finds themselves communicating with something beyond. Permanently add the ethereal pact fighting art to your fighting art deck. The survivor gains the ethereal pact fighting art. And so the ethereal pack fighting art is adds plus three to your brain trauma rolls. When you suffer the impossible brain trauma, the fungus in your head connects the, uh, to the dreaming birth of a savior and choose a dream. If you've already reached age two, you cannot uh, gain your dream secret fighting art. If you are a savior, this fighting art has no effect. So it basically gets you the bonuses of becoming a savior. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does also suggest the black lichen has some kind of so, some kind of link towards the uh, the re, the realm of the the dreamer. Is it the eternal dreamer, where the saviors come uh, go to and come from? Which is interesting because uh, I mean, otherwise it's just listed as being malleable, pungent, and attractive. And when you consume it, your lips turn grey, your hair whitens, you become infertile. You gain one courage, one understanding, and you suffer the destroyed genitals from your waste injury. So, um, usually black lichen's used for oxidizing, or the fact that it's an organ, bone, hide, and uh, a consumable of another type. So, yeah. Um, my so, problem with, uh, so, we've got the ethereal pact itself. Oh, are you going to say something, Josh? So, I'm looking at the brain trauma table. Yeah. So, if you have the ethereal pact, and you have... Uh, Except darkness, mm-hmm. you get plus five to your roll. Yeah, the table only goes up to thirteen. I'm assuming it's a thirteen plus. I don't think so because that's really powerful. Wait, wait. The thing is, it is sounds kind of powerful, but when you look at the fighting art, it's. It, I think it's self balancing. Although Adam did say he wanted to reduce the number of saviors around. Um, and he did that by limiting the settlement to having one, and now there's been provided a way of of getting getting multiple saviors back. But according to the, so it, it, so it doesn't say you get rid of the fighting art once it happens. So I think what Josh is getting at is if you have except darkness and ethereal pact, since you're getting the plus five, if you just do a stupid build that just continually gives you insanity. Or, or I'm sorry, gives you, you brain trauma, make, makes you take uh, damage to your brain, then you can keep spamming impossible and get a shitload of luck tokens. Yeah. Uh, the, once you become a savior, this fighting art switches off. If you read the text, the ethereal pact itself. When you suffer impossible brain trauma, the fungus in your head, so birth of a savior and choose a dream. Doesn't say you get rid of this, though. 
Yeah, but the very bottom line is if you are a savior, this fighting art has no effect. Oh. Oh, okay. So it does gotcha. it So it I makes mean, you a savior, and then it just does nothing after that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you then just trade it out for something else. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a bit of a shame that if you're already age two, you don't get the dream secret fighting art, because that's sort of, like, you know, a bit... A lot of the fun with the um, saviors is actually using those fighting arts. But um, hey, now we've got another way that saviors can turn up in other campaigns, along with the uh, drifting dreaming fruit from the lowly tree. Uh, I I'm on record as not liking saviors too much. I think they have their place in the game. I do think being limited to just one a settlement was too much of a nerf, especially given the changes they all experienced. I think the new saviors are quite nicely balanced. Um, have you guys had much, um, many encounters with the new saviors? No? Sorry about that, Fen. Give us one second here. Okay. Sorry, if you could repeat like the last uh, 15 seconds of what you were saying, I apologize. No problem. Um, so, uh, have you guys had much experience with the um, with, with the new saviors? Because uh, my experience no. has been not great. We, yeah, we have not had a chance to really play with the new saviors at all. Uh, we kind of got away from that in our last campaign. Uh, you've just been doing survival of fittest, so it's a lot harder to naturally roll saviors. Very true. And yeah. uh, we haven't been trying to game to make a savior, so. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I have. I'm going to say, first of all, the red savior is almost like... It's not garbage, but I want to call it garbage. It's really not great. The blue and the green ones, on the other hand, like the blue one gets like masses of luck um, with its ability, which can be very effective and powerful with the right sort of gear. And the green one is as good... Like, it's... Not as good as the original Green Savior, but it the Green Savior can literally be life-saving. Its ability just gives everyone a ton of armor and removes tokens. And that's like, that's what a Savior should do. They come in, big splashy boom, and then at the end of the fight they go, Ooh, I retire, bye-bye, disappear, off into the dream realm, see you later. But you're only limited to one at a time. You've got to take Protect the Young to get them, so you're kind of sacrificing that one strength and one evasion, which is why I wasn't surprised when you said you haven't really experienced them. Sorry, and the lifetime rerolls. This at least is a new way of getting access to those to the saviors, um, and some weird stuff like constellation saviors, which are all warrior of the sun saviors, which are always like really crazy. Uh, but uh, I'm. I think I'm more interested in this fighting art on a lore basis than actually mechanically. I can see myself often having this on a savior and unless it's near on a survivor and unless it's near the end of the campaign, I kind of just won't. I'll try not to activate it and get it overwritten with something new. I mean, there's so many ways in 1.5 of just getting a uh, fighting art from the settlement that you don't ever have to have a fighting art you don't want anymore. You can just go, well, I'll take Rhythm Chase, I'll take Synchronized Strike, clear the board, you know. And I'd probably be doing that with a th- ethereal pact at times. Mostly, that's a, that's a fault of the Saviour design. Yeah. It's got a whale pictured on it. That's a humpback whale. 
There's a whale where? <laughs> oh, look at look at the artwork. You got oh the yeah. Artwork. Oh yeah. Look is at that. that. Back whale. That sure is. Is that is that what the eternal dreamer is? A humpback whale. It might be. It Isn't might that overall in darkness? You see a whale. Yeah, you see the whale swimming overhead. Ooh. Yeah. So, and did you stand bravely and you gain like plus evasion or something like that? Hang on, hang on. I've got the I've got the book here. Let me. That that's a good point there, Josh. Uh, legendary monsters overwhelming darkness. Believe it's Path of the Brave, yeah. like Path eight. Path of the Brave. A massive whale swims overhead. Your guts quiver with its booming cries. You vomit in fear, but keep a get brave face. Gain minus one evasion uh, token after this event. All of the survivors gain plus one survival because they enjoy eating your vomit. No, from from your bold display. Uh, yeah, yeah. So who knows that whale is back? Yeah, that's a that's a good remember. That is the flying whale. Flying whale uh, apparently has something to do with the ethereal pact. Maybe it's an entity. It must be an entity. Uh, right. Yeah. This is this is what you, you, we need to remember. This the next time you speak, Adam, ask him about the whale. <laughs> tell him we tell him we know about his whale, Mister Egg, and he needs to explain himself. <laughs> I'm making a note what of it right now. Whale? All right. Uh, next is the one that I think most people are. Re- well, I'm I'm super excited about, which is backstabber. Backstabber. So that is the opportunist strain, and yes. so the milestone condition here is when a survivor with prey or secretive disorder has 15 plus insanity. And so with that, uh, you have the permanent effect of the survivor eats in secret and foregoes sleep. Their extreme paranoia liberates a deeply buried genetic memory that has allowed insignificant people to use their prey instincts to their advantage. Permanently add the backstabber fighting art to your fighting art deck. The survivor gains the backstabber fighting art. They suffer permanent minus one strength and minus one evasion from the lack of sleep. So Josh is flipping over to the... Uh, backstabber fighting art and that text is on a perfect hit with a dagger your first wound attempt in that attack gains devastating one when you attack a monster with a dagger from its blind spot if you have the hoarder or secretive disorder increase the range of your perfect hit by one so it's nice to see the devastating there i mean giving a little bit of buffs to uh to daggers Um, pairing this with timeless eye monsters don't like uh Having daggers uses butt plugs. <sighs> this is interesting where you could uh, pair this one. So if you have Timeless Eye and then you have Hoarder or Secretive and yep. uh, increase the range of your perfect hits. So you have eight plus as a perfect hit and then you gain Devastating One on perfect hits. It just seems like it could be an interesting buff for daggers. And I forget what the dagger uh, fighting art I'm not fighting with the dagger or weapon uh, specialization and weapon mastery is. Well, yeah, I can walk you through those. So the dagger weapon specialization is when you're attacking with a dagger after you fail a wound attempt, you can discard any of the other hit locations before reactions happen and try and wound that location again. So it's not bad as specializations go if daggers were stronger because it's like, oh, I'll try and wound this location I failed, I'm going to get rid of that one that I don't like, 
I didn't want to roll four because it's got a nasty reaction. I'm going to have another go at this one without even taking the, um, the reaction hit. And specialization is one of the ways that you start to mitigate the problems with daggers, having high speed, um, but it doesn't ever mitigate the strength issue. The mastery is after a wounded hit location is discarded, a dagger master who's adjacent to the attacker and the monster that was just wounded, uh, they can spend one survival, they get to redraw that wounded hit location and try and wound it with a dagger themselves, and then they deal with like reactions and everything normally. So effectively, they get to stab a location a second time. Um, I actually like the design of uh, weapon specialization and mastery on the dagger. It just doesn't work with the dagger unless you have a survivor with like a crazy amount of strength to back it up. Um, this... This backstabber, though, however, uh, it, it makes daggers like viable in the late game because daggers have a perfect hit mechanic anyway. Um, the oxidized lantern daggers and the bone daggers give you plus one survival when you get perfect hit. Acid tooth daggers do the automatic non-critical wound on the first location you choose. Um, there's others. I forget the other one. Oh, uh, the caffeine dagger. The sorry the. Caffeine dagger. Uh, if you yeah. activate the three, you get a plus one strength token. That's yeah. It. Yeah, and the um, scrap daggers on perfect hits get plus two strength until the end of the attack. So I like how they've tied perfect hits in. Um, I like the increase in the perfect hit range. I find it a little confusing that this is triggered. Oh, I realized. I guess I uh, this is triggered by um, get prey or secretive. But the uh, fighting art works off Horde or Secretive, which is a bit kind of odd. Uh, I'm going to have to step away from the computer for one moment, um, because it's the bird's bedtime, and that's why they're making lots of noise. So I just Understood. Yeah. Hang on, one second. No problem. But yeah, as, uh, as Fen was saying, I thought it was pretty interesting that they tied in the perfect hit mechanic with the dagger. And I mean, thematically, it kind of makes sense, since when you... Uh, watch a lot of media or read media where there's someone that's proficient with daggers. They tend to be the, you know, assassiny, stab you exactly in the right spot to kill you. So it makes sense that the perfect hit would kind of tie in there. And, uh, you know, as Fen was saying also, the fact that daggers tend to have pretty crappy strength, um, having the timeless eye with this, uh, fighting art, the backstabber fighting art with the cat fang danger, cat fang dagger might be pretty interesting because you can get some really high strength values if you keep getting the plus one strength tokens Yeah, because if you got a 30% chance of getting a perfect hit every time so it's one perfect hit per turn yeah if you're rolling three dice so you're talking about you know a couple turns into the game you have the possibility of hey I've got plus five strength tokens on my character and all of a sudden I'm like beating the ever-loving crap out of the yeah. monster. Um, and it's on hit, and it's not on a wound. Right, exactly. So that's uh, that's pretty neat, and I think that that would be a fun build to explore in some of our games. Um, what, what are some of your thoughts about this backstabber one, Josh? Um, I think it's really interesting, uh, I, and I want to... St- I'm curious of how they do kind of this stuff with other weapon types and stuff in the future. So I'm I'm just thinking back to like a build here for this. Is there anything else that would expand your perfect hit range? Um, no, not currently. Okay. 
but like you can what would be interesting is uh, tying this with like uh, ambidextrous or something like that and you have two different type of daggers mm. as well so you could oh you reap the perfect hit benefits off of both of them possibly uh, yeah that would be pretty neat um That'd be pretty okay. interesting to see. And then maybe even doing like a quasi counterweight axe type build with it. Um, where you can't you can, quite do that. I, I mean. Well, if you increase your perfect hit range and then you just give yourself a bunch of minus accuracy. So you only hit on a perfect exactly. hit? Exactly. Yeah, you could kind of do that. Might be interesting. Hello again. Sorry about that. No worries. We were just talking about some. Uh, Build concepts for daggers now. Uh, so I did like acid tooth daggers with backstabber and time to and minus accuracy. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I was thinking was if you had ambidextrous, if you put two different daggers on, could you gain the benefit from a perfect hit on both of them? No, paired has to be the same name. Oh yeah, it has to be. Um, yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm forgetting things. Yeah. Blood paint? Blood paint, but that's two separate attacks. Two separate yeah. attacks. All right. Yeah. A- but you could still possibly, if you have like a pretty low uh, accuracy, if you lower your accuracy and you mm-hmm. use the daggers with Timeless Eye and Backstabber and just go for gaining the benefits to so like Cat Fang Danger. Da- I keep saying Danger. Cat Danger. Fang Dagger. And, uh, <laughs> and the, uh, the Acid Tooth Dagger uh, yeah. might be pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely the of all these four fighting arts. It's the one that has me the most excited because it just increases the design space of daggers a huge amount. And right. Um, also, like, well, uh, I, I, as I said just before I had to go with the birds, I find it a bit weird that it's triggered by prey or secretive, and it mentions. Uh, like hoarder and secretive, I believe, right? Yeah, uh, even when you mean like, the insignificant people to use their prey instincts to their advantage, and I, I feel like that. Well, I'm going to play it as it's printed on the card. Um, it does feel like it's a, a typo that maybe originally it was supposed to be hoarder and secretive, um, and then the milestone condition got changed or something. But you know, who knows. It's it's definitely like hoarder or secretive are definitely significant drawbacks to have on a survivor. Hoarder costs you a resource, and secretive means you can only hunt every other year. What is it? Uh, burning ambition is the one that forces you to go out. Yeah, so burning you- ambition will let you uh, ignore skip next hunts. Yeah. yeah, a lot to have to stack. Then you have to go like burning yeah. ambition, backstabber, timeless eye. Order or secretive, secretive. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, quite a bit to finesse your character into that position. You just have two. You just have two survivors with backstabber, and then you just swap them up every other year. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> well, to be honest, the way I play, at least, um, I have an A and a B team, and I rotate around. So having somebody turning up every other fight wouldn't be so much of an issue for me. Um, and, you know, uh, daggers are a particularly expensive weapon to make on the whole, apart from the acid tooth daggers, which is like, woof, that one's expensive and hard to make, but, uh, well, relatively hard to make, but most of the time you can, like, quite easily get a scrap dagger going if you want. And it's, 
you know, I, I like this. I want to see more fighting arts like this. Absolutely. All right, so do you want to move on to the last strain? Yeah, let's move on to the... Trepanning strain? Yeah, the trepanning strain. And so the milestone condition here is when a survivor survives the trepanning barber-surgeon endeavor five times. Uh, Fen, can you remind me what that is again? So first of all, I find the wording weird. Um, Trepanning is an endeavor. Roll 1d10. The text is an auger gingerly applied to the skull of a survivor is used to drill through the bone in the dangerous pursuit of remedies by releasing blood built up in the brain. So it's based on trepanning, which people actually used to do. And you still have to do uh, in emergency situations. If uh, somebody does suffer an internal hemorrhage, uh, you need to release the pressure somehow. Uh, on a one to two, you drill too deep and they suffer the intracranial hemorrhage, severe head injury. On a three to six, there's relief and you cure a disorder. On a seven to nine, you get to cure intracranial hemorrhage. So you can cure what you inflicted a bit earlier. And on 10, you get expanded consciousness, which is gain a random disorder and one random fighting arm. Trepanning is something that people don't always see because you have to get pottery open to get the barber surgeon by beating a level two um, grooming antelope. Uh, Trepanning is one of the best ways of getting rid of disorders right now. Um, And actually quite good with romantic if you can manage to roll those tens. But that's, I find the wording weird that it's when a survivor survives the trepanning barber surgeon endeavor. It sort of suggests they might die, but you can't die from trepanning. Basically, you just need to trepanning someone five times in a row. And, yeah, that is that is quite odd because there's no death element on it. And that's yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, just over two years, you spend five out of your eight endeavors just drilling into some poor guy's head, and uh, <laughs> and, and job done. But actually, and this is this is where we're going to get onto it. If you like to read the um, the Infinite Lives fighting art now, because the survivor who gets trepanning five times gets the Infinite Lives straight away. Right. So the permanent effect here is slipshod surgery has damaged the survivor's memory. When systems of the body fail, others rise up to compensate. Without the burden of triumphs and traumas, the indomitable will. Li- uh, the indomitable will to live thrives. Uh, permanently add the infinite lives fighting art to your fighting art deck. The survivor gains the infinite lives fighting art. So infinite lives fighting art is you can't create new memories. You cannot gain new fighting arts or disorders. When you would uh, when you would gain one, instead gain a new lifetime. Give yourself a new name and gain a once per lifetime reroll. Uh, gain plus one survival for naming. Uh, gain the re-roll regardless of principle, only one once-per-lifetime re-roll at a time. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know if you can, like, immediately grasp the implications of all of this. Apart from, obviously, having a refresh on re-rolls. And not uh, ever getting fighting out for the sorters. Uh, you lock it, so you can lock in a survivor with some good fighting arts and disorders. Yep, so you can lock in a survivor with two fighting arts of your choice and three disorders that you like. Or you could do down to two, and then you never have to worry yeah. about dying on a brain trauma exactly. if you have a, except darkness. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. Um, and, and you can't get screwed over by a lot of different things. Um, the plus one survival for renaming is awesome. The other thing you can do is, hey, I have drums. I'm going to give myself rhythm chaser. Oh. 
I get my re-roll back and I get a plus one survival. Yep. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so you gain that. Um, here, here's the big question. These are all fighting arts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this can go on sculpture, right? Yes. Oh, my survivor's ready. He's locked in. I like his fighting arts and everything. Let's let's put on infinite life, lives and uh, keep him locked in and let's keep going. Yep, yep. <laughs> You've nearly nailed every single thing. So there's one more piece. Wow. Um... Which I, I had to sit down and do a little bit of reading because it's checking between the lines because it's not listed in the glossary and it should be a new lifeline, new lifetime. So a new lifetime it means you get access to all once per lifetime things again. So you can go back through and do white secret again if you can get your understanding down. You can go back through and do insight again. Anything that is once per lifetime triggered will trigger on you again. And again, and again. So with Gloom Cream, you can endlessly trigger understanding abilities over and over. You can stack, like, Ageless and get the stat bonuses from Ageless. Jeez. As long as, yes, yeah, that's like plus, it's plus accuracy plus strength, if I remember correctly. I believe so. Yeah, this is, this one has some question marks for me. Like, I... I love the idea. I think it's really cool. I think the power level on it might be one of those things that is going to result in some really obscene survivors. Yeah, this is this is secret fighting art level of uh, mm. silliness. Yeah. Silliness. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I think if if you can't create new memories, I feel like there should be some like dr- like you can't get Hon XP or something. You can't get weapon proficiency if you can't. <laughs> Not get weapon efficiency would be yeah quite reasonable. Yeah, so something like it would be very interesting, like a kind of like stuck in limbo. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if 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 you do what you say here, you can craft just ridiculously awesome survivors. Yeah, yeah. And make them make them even more indestructible. Yeah, it's as good as you can manage it. Yeah, like oh. Uh, my survivor's awesome. Even I can't even get Fear of the Dark to make him retire and not be around anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, no apathetic, no Fear of the Dark, no... Um, no, I'm going to rip off my chest armor in the middle of battle and yeah, yeah. archive that. No, one of my past lives told me that's not a good idea. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one is yeah very, very powerful. But yeah, bold is can be redone again to gain strength or accuracy or movement or speed. Um, and it, can't, it doesn't reset your, your hunt XP. But like, the normally the only time you tend to get a new lifetime is the Phoenix defeat condition. Which is kind of fair because, you know, somebody yeah. everyone got wiped for that. But there's a whole like when you start looking through the um, the hunt events, you'll find in there there's stuff which is like once per lifetime, and there's things that happen once per lifetime for certain like beating certain monsters and things. It's, it's a whole host of areas, and it's it, I, I went in and I was like I needed to check. I was like, okay, is it is it is it resetting your hunt XP? No, good because that that would be absurd. But then I realised, of course, gloom cream is a thing, and that's Understanding resets are very powerful, um, and that resets your hunt XP backwards as well. But uh, you know, so uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how heavily tested this one was. 
I don't know if it got in the hands of the right person or if they're just like, you know what, this is a cool, fun, like, Echoes of Death promo thing. Let's chuck something in there that's an amazingly fun idea, which it is, and uh, and see how it, you know, just, just go nuts. But it's easy to unlock, and as you said, once you sculpt it, you just... I look forward to the season of, of Twist Gaming where you guys get that unlocked and sculpted in. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what next season, Josh. Probably do something like that. <laughs> Could be this please, season. Please, please do because it's how it gets often gets to Adam's attention, and <laughs> when he sees how we break stuff, yeah. 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 I mean, we'll just do it this season. I have like so many names lined up for the rest of the season. Like, there you go. Oh yeah, you could just cycle through them on one character. Yeah. yeah. Every time. episode. Okay, we need six new names. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. So I have the milestones in for this campaign now, so we can we can. Yeah. Oh, I I didn't know you had them in there. Uh, you can add them in whenever you want, really. So. Yeah, you're playing people of the sun, aren't yeah. you? Um. Yeah. So you got you definitely got the antelope. So just be, and you get pottery anyway through the campaign. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Sounds good. Oh, you could do an infinite lives warrior of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's going to be really funny. Knocking ageless on them. And <laughs> like, Warriors of the Sun are absurd anyway. They're absolutely ridiculous. But stuff like Fear of the Dark occasionally takes them out and you're like, oh, now I have to get a new one. But nah, nah. Lock, lock them in. At least you won't be able to do gloom cream abuse because yeah. Slender Man, but... Oh. So one thing I like about all these strains, I like how clinical the descriptions are of these yeah. cards, which is very different from everything else that's KDM right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of these are they read very uh, like like this, this one right here, the, the giant strain. If you read through the permanent effect, ardent splinters of bone gnaw into the survivor's brain, halting pituitary function. The deviation is passed on to their offspring. It's, it's, it reads like a medical journal. <laughs> yeah. It's it's got the same level of flavour as the cooking recipes do, which were written by Anna, if I remember correctly, um, and she's writing the new recipes. It's that sort of very visceral and uh, emotional, respo- you know, evoking thing. It's it's a lot of flavour. Also, the wording, like the mechanical rules wording on the cards, is very clear as well. There's, like, none of those uh, fighting arts I've looked at and gone, huh, how does this, huh? Not once. It's always been, like, I had to look up timeline because timeline's not specifically defined. Um, it should be in the glossary, but it's not. That's not a fault of the card, you know? You know I was, it was clear that you get a new timeline. I just had to go, uh, lifetime, sorry. I had to go and look what that was. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. If, if the new stuff is coming out uh, to this higher quality of flavor and lore and cleanness in mechanics, then, you know, good. Yeah, the only downside I see of, like, this, the advanced rule books and all that stuff, is the amount of bookkeeping. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm actually thinking there's large portions of the gambler's chest I may not ever write, really explore or may explore just kind of... Uh, in small packets because it's I kind of like for me 
it's it's the gear that's the interesting part of Kingdom Death. It's putting together gear grids and combos and, and seeing what the survivors do in combination with fighting arts and disorders and things. So all of that kind of like uh, the philosophies and things, at least as it stands right now, I'm not that interested um, beyond like just a sort of an analytical look at it. Um, but yeah, I, that's the biggest part is if it turns out to be a lot of bookkeeping, it's not going to be viable for me. I, I already, when I play with my friends, like they do the bookkeeping. Like somebody hands, ha- they handle everything and I just sort of like make sure they're doing it right. Because it's just, I'm not a bookkeeping person. Yeah, like, so, like, for this new season, I put together a binder. Mm-hmm. Um, which has made things, like, 5,000 times easier. Yeah. Um, because, like, I could be like, oh, let's look at the milestone page. Did we do any of this stuff, or do we want to do any of this stuff? And I have, like, all the innovations laid out. Be like, oh, we have an extra endeavor. What What options are there? Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like just going forward that it's going to be even even more insane of just kind of like what all the options are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do think, though, uh, in the long run, that's going to be great. Um, one of my favorite uh, video games is Binding of Isaac, which I know you quite like as well, Josh. Yeah, I just started playing that again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's the new anti-birth coming soon. Well, it, not new, but re- was it Retribution or something? Anyway, there's a new expansion coming, and it's incorporating the fan expansion anti-birth in. I'm very excited. But what I was going to say is that the way that that game's like you experience different items on a run, and they kind of piece together and build a different way of playing the game, that's what I think the best part of Kingdom Death is, looking and going, right, well, I'm going to take this expansion, this expansion, and this, and put them in, and uh, the advanced stuff is kind of going to hopefully fit into that where you just go, I'm going to have this philosophy, this philosophy, and this philosophy, and just just deal with those and see what the experience is like. Um, I'm already at a point where when I play my solo runs, I do drafting of the fighting arts, um, where I like deal them out into piles, and I choose a pile to keep in the game and a pile that's gone. And so all the fighting arts, I get more limited pool. So it kind of, sometimes it's really rough. Uh, I've I've done it randomly for one run and, oh my God, I had nothing but really bad fighting arts. It was awful. Uh, Like really unpleasant, but interesting because suddenly I had the whole section of the game I couldn't rely on. And I think that's that's where I think the philosophies are going to come to life for me. Yeah. Acadium has a really good roguelike gameplay to it. And... um, I'm, I'm very curious to see how the advanced rules hap- if it expands on that roguelike or if it makes it more of like a gaming system like Pathfinder yeah. or D&D or something like that um, it does does seem a bit class like because um, I, I feel like you're, we're going to kind of get down these tech trees and different things you can build off which, which still doesn't get rid of the roguelikeness of the game but no. gives a such a high level complexity like the Echoes of not the the um, partnership. Oh yes, uh, the Endurance Legacy, and we haven't talked about this before. We can talk about this now, I think, yes, or the yeah. uh, Devoted Union. It just they add a whole new thing to the game, and, but again, it's another thing to keep track of and to to manage the whole game. Um, yeah. On top of the innovations and stuff, and I can see some of the principles and stuff that they level up throughout the campaign that that's just going to get 
extremely complicated. People are going to have to manage their own survivor's philosophy. They're going to have to have access to a little sheet that runs through it all so they know what they're doing. Because, you know, usually Kingdom Death is one person has a broad knowledge of what's going on and everyone else is kind of like, oh, um, just sort of dipping in and experiencing mostly for their survivor and not worrying about the monster control or how the hunt's set up or all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I can barely keep track of my two survivors. I'm like, oh, I forgot I had this fighting art disorder like halfway through a fight. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> well, you guys have that added problem of you're looking after the chat's survivor as well. As, yeah. 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 It's, um, I, I never like having to control more than one survivor at once. Um, when I play with Najik and Gray, and Najik usually takes a hold of two survivors because he's like, I don't have to. Uh, Fan, as long as you worry about all of the things that are going on, like the monster and, and all those bits and pieces, and you keep fucking it up because we're playing a tabletop simulator and, <laughs> and you're awful at handling tabletop simulator, but uh, I'll handle two survivors. And that works. I only have to concentrate on what my survivor's doing, which is usually rolling a miss. It's my, that's my special ability. I miss monsters. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be, oof, you know, um, it's gonna be a lot. I, I like the idea though that Adam suggested, and I can't remember the full details of it, but there's gonna be like an accelerated development for these survivors, and it's gonna be more about legacies, and one survivor has a shorter time, and becomes more powerful, and then their like apprentice takes over, and, and so on. Because I think that's one of the things I really wanted from Kingdom Death was a feeling of generations. And when you look at it and you go like, oh, this is like a long time and there's multiple survivors grow up within one year and you're dealing with like 25, 30 years. That's that, 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 you know, that could be a very long time, many, many generations. But in practice, it always turns out you play like one group of survivors for about 10 years to get masteries. And then you half consider maybe retiring some of them to start work on new masteries or some of them have gained ageless and you go, well, I'm sticking with this guy until he becomes too badly injured or whatever. Um, so if, if the philosophies of death, um, and the gambler's box, a gambler's chest managed to really encourage that generational play, I'm going to be thrilled. Because I think retirement is my favorite mechanic in the game. Yeah, I think retirement's such a good idea. Like, constantly threatening, looming thing of, eventually you have to stop doing this because you're too old or you get hit by something else that forces you to retire. Um, but you can occasionally come out of retirement with the Elders' Council. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's it, it'll be interesting, and I do hope he manages to get it right. So we briefly touched on it. Um, how is uh, how is your uh, you're doing People of the Sun now? Yeah, we're doing People of the Sun. We're on year four. Year four. It's, okay. So it might be year four, but we've fought about thirteen screaming antelopes so far. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've we've introduced uh, a little tip mechanism for shits and giggles, uh, where people can buy bug patches and put them on oh. the board. Uh, they also lovingly gave my survivor, uh, Vermin Obsession. So, I think we had 17 bug patches on the board one week. There was a lot. Um, 
so that was interesting. And then uh, one of the other things they can tip for is to uh, heal the monster. Heal the monster. Uh, one wound. So, oh, we, so we fought the Screaming Owl for like an hour and a half, and it was still at full health? Yeah. And people are like, well, people are coming in halfway. Like, how is he still at full health? And we're like, we've done about 14 damage to him so far. Oh, my God. Just drain the whole resource deck. Uh, we weren't critting. Yeah, we weren't critting. That's the funny thing. So one of Josh's characters got unlucky. So we weren't critting. We were just beating the crap out of the antelope, and then he beats the crap out of us, but then he... He's part Wolverine, I guess. So he's yeah. regenerating. You, what you're describing is what I actually deliberately do against level one antelopes when I get far enough in and I have the setup with the slow weapons and and the reach weapon and everything. Is I will let the antelope go and chow down and heal up, yeah, or instinct yeah. heal up. But I'm trying to crit farm it, and I'm set up for that. You guys couldn't even do that. That sounds no, that sounds like so, horror. We're still early game, so like we don't have like the necessary gear to crit farm yet. So, like... Yeah, because technically we've only done, like, three encounters so far. Yeah. Three uh, showdowns. One of them was the White Lion, and then two of them were the Antelopes, but we have fought many, many Antelopes spiritually. (laughs) Um, And uh, we don't have, like... We didn't make a guitar. Okay. So we don't have anything, like, deadly. Yeah. I'm still running around with bone darts. Yeah, you're fine. Bone darts are amazing. Um. So we happened to get plus one lock on one of the characters last game. Yep. So I can make a lock charm, and if we get them a deadly weapon, start doing some stuff. That's but, our new guitar build right there. Um, resource. We, we've been a little strained a little bit. So we were we were really hide heavy. Yeah. So I have three rawhide sets on year two. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing, <laughs> and it's also really annoying when that. Yeah. Um. So I have a ton of rawhide. Um. I might be able to finally make a bone club so I could beat up the antelope and crit farm a little bit. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's that's my hope. But uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been very interesting. Um, the uh, the intimacy is uh, weird so far. So we do have two purified survivors, and they've been going at it. That's that's good. Uh, get you know get your purifying on. Um, yeah. They become very important. Uh, we got a. Lights in the sky this year, though. We did. So we're going to make a bunch of babies. Okay. Because uh, I feel like that's, that's the best use of uh, lights in the sky in early game. And we also have um, uh, cannibalism. So we're a little Endeavor light. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, but so. Uh, People wanted to bring always, the menu back. You always end up a bit Endeavor light in. Um, in people of the sun anyway, because purifying uh, costs so much to get done. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be rough if you do suffer like a heavy, like heavy wipe or something. But yeah. I mean, most of this guy's going to give you the buffer of people, so that's good. So like, we're working it out. It's interesting. So yeah, I think we're just going to spend all four endeavors this year, probably making babies, just because we can. We just yeah. got the partnership thing, and we're going to do the enduring legacy. Someone does oh. have matchmaker as well. I uh, love enduring legacy so much. It is, and and we have the one survive one of the survivors that are purified has a plus one luck, and the other one has uh, <laughs> otherworldly other luck. luck. Oh god! So, yep. the, um, we're gonna make some really strong babies. Yeah, so <laughs> some lucky Luke's. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it, we 
we, we don't really have time to go massively into like Enduring Legacy and Devoted Union, but I gotta say Enduring Legacy is what partnership should have been from the beginning. It's though so that's that encourages you to do generation so well. Like Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a nice ad, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to the point where you get to... Uh, I'm not going to go into exact details, but you will gain a secret fighting art and a disorder that stops you using that secret fighting art. I love that. It's like scripted that, <laughs> that you, can't, you have to get rid of the disorder before you can use the secret fighting art, which I find so funny. It's... it's yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, we have that going on. We have the Flower Knight showing up. Mm-hmm. So we're, we are, we added him. Uh, other expansions that we added: the Dung Beetle Knight came to the party. Dung yep. Beetle Knight, Dragon Knight, and, and uh, Lion God, Dragon King. Yeah, Dragon King. That's a good mix. Yeah, Dragon King. It is. Um, I did try adding Spiculus into People of the Sun, and uh, like gear-wise, it works well. But it's so demanding on how much you need to hunt that spider if you want to do any of the rings. Like each one of them usually takes a ring. Takes like four or five hunts. So again, you need to and you need to then ball it as well, which is hard against the level two in People of the Sun because you don't have surge. Yeah. So I, th- I think the best choice is like um, is that. Although Gorm is very good in People of the Sun as well because you've got Hellfire, which is my favourite secret fighting art in that setting. Did we add Gorm yet? No, nope, Gorm has not been added. Huh. No Gorm. No Gorm. It's been up on the poll. They they didn't choose it. So, I mean, we have fought. We have fought a lot of vomit babies, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're just fighting a lot of antelopes. Though so we're probably gonna beat Two. up the flower knight. No, oh, we we are gonna beat the crap out of the flower knight. <laughs> Poor flower knight. No, the chat's probably gonna heal him like five thousand times. Oh, probably. That's, that's but... amazing, though. He just hands out tons of luck and flowers yeah. explode everywhere, and you pick them up. <laughs> it's gonna be the prettiest fight ever. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's gonna be confetti, you know, everywhere. Petal confetti. Just, that, that's like what, how I always feel the fights of the Flower Knight go, though. You turn up, you survive, it's like this beautiful creature, tending its garden, and they just punch it until it explodes into like a, a whole cloud of petals, and they scoop them all up and run off gigging. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's, uh, uh I, I, I've had to stop using that expansion because it's just so hard to not exploit it by accident. <laughs> I, I love it, it's got. It's got my all-time favorite secret fighting art in it, which is True Blade. I love True Blade. Like, I think it's amazing that you have to cart around two really shitty disorders, but it makes swords stunningly good. Like, Ink Sword and True Blade is just just amazing. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I keep having to look and put my, put my flower knight back on the shelf and go, no, not this time, Fen. You know what you're going to do. You're going to turn up and you're going to punch the shit out of that thing and crit farm it for all of its flowers and then, t- you know, build a load of stuff. It's, nope, nope, too tempting. Yeah. So that's what's going on here at, uh, at the Twist Gaming side of things. What's, yeah. uh, what's new in Fentown? All right, well, obviously, my stuff's done over on my Patreon, which is uh, www.patreon dot com forward slash fen paint. Um, I have, have finally got round to releasing a load of stuff that I've been working on for the past like six nine months, um, which is a set of sets of small gear card size reference cards. Because we were talking about the bookkeeping earlier, and one of the biggest problems I have personally is I can't keep a track of the fighting arts. My handwriting is atrocious. Like 
I mean, I, I make doctors look legible. I, I seriously, people go, "Oh, you can't be that bad," and then I write something for them, and they go, "What did you write?" And I go, "I don't know. I can't read it." Uh, the, you, you, Matt and I could probably match you. We're, we're, yes. We both have horrible chicken scratch. Oh yeah, it's it. PC's mine is awful. has ruined it for us. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, like my grandfather used to have beautiful copper plate handwriting. I've got letters written by him and they are just like, it is stunning, his handwriting. And then I look at what I've got and I'm like, you know, it's, it's awful. Um, anyway, so I, uh, I, I photoshopped together a whole series of fighting art cards. It's kind of a test and I, I got them printed off and they are gear size. So, cause I use the coin sleeves to organize my grid and I was like I can have a second grid next to it I can have a row of three for fighting arts a row of three for disorders and a row of three for abilities because it's rare a survivor gets more than three ability and um, I just went from there so I've done all of the fighting arts I've done all of the secret fighting arts all of the disorders which is due, still due to be released at this point um, all of the abilities in the game, which was fun tracking all of them down and making sure I had them all. All of the permanent injuries, all of the temporary injuries just to keep a track of him in a showdown. Um, and then some people, like some requests, like I did a whole bunch of different fight it, uh, fist and tooth cards. So you've got normal fist and tooth, you've got uh, acid palms, fist and tooth, and quick references. To, it's just sort of to make it easier for people and, and myself. Um, and I've all, then that built into a little something that's like at the end of this month, there's coming out two sort of things that are, are built off this. The first is a, a variant um, way of playing the game that's based around using these cards that I made. Um, and it's, it's mostly for fun. It's definitely not like balance. It's a, an extension on my previous hero mode. Um, I'll teaser that it's involving classes stuff so it's kind of like a just a bit of fun for people who who want to play and feel like badasses and just experience the story and then I finally will be coming out on the 28th of September uh, is my Spidiculous integration package which I spent a long time working on and the idea is to allow you to play the core game with Spidiculous replacing the Screaming Antelope, which is the original intent. And you can't do that normally, because I don't know if you've tried it, but in 1.5, if you play Spidiculous and remove the Screaming Antelope, like, a huge section of the core game just stops working. Just... Yeah. No, no, like, yeah like Stone Circle is still viable, but it doesn't do that much anymore, because most of the stuff... It is Screaming Antelope. The Barber Surgeon becomes completely unlockable. Uh, you can't unlock it. Ununlockable. Um, cooking breaks. You have one recipe you can do without it. So I've gone through and I've, I've done a set of recipes using Spidiculous parts. Um, I've tried to preserve Anna's excellent uh, flavor text as much as possible and keep the balance there. Uh, I've, I've worked on the Barber Surgeon. I've worked on the Stone Circle. Um, I ended up create well, not creating. I ended up pulling a early game armor set that I had stat in storage um, and bringing that forward so there's a, like a hybrid armor set in there um, I fixed the mask maker because obviously you lose access to the antelope mask um, and you can't hunt the mad steed so fixed that as well and kind of just 
after a long time of playing around with it and trying to get the balance on the uh, resources right, I reached a point where I was like, I'm happy with this, and I like it, and it's it's made the game... Now I can play the game without the Screaming Antelope, and I can play White Lion and Spidiculous, or Gorm and Spidiculous and White Lion, and I don't feel like I'm cut out from a whole load of stuff that I desperately need. And it's kind of nice to not be relying on screaming armor all the time because screaming armor has become a real crutch so yeah and then in October uh, I've got a new early game monster that's on the way um, I, I'm not going to go into too many details on it, I've teased a few cards on my Patreon or sections of cards, it's a uh, lantern year 1 monster, it's around the white line in power, at least at level 1 and level 2, it kind of matches there um, and it's um using components from the core game and Spidiculous for physical representation. So you don't need to buy any new models, you can use the models you already have, and you just need the cards. Um, and it's kind of fun. It's a fun It's a fun monster. It's been another welcome distraction from trying to design the late game monster that I've been doing, um, because that one, because it's a late game monster, it's significantly more complex. And I've had to slow down and really make sure uh, it's balanced because at, um, at the moment, at level two and three, it's been destroying everything I've thrown at it. Just like I, I, I've had to go, no, no, I've, I've got to go back to basic principles on these traits because it's just wrecking everything, and it's not fun, <laughs> you know. So yeah, that's um, that's where I am on that. And the other thing uh, is that. Um, Nizhik and I are going to be streaming, uh, playing Kingdom Death soon. Um, we're going to do, do a channel. Uh, Eleanor um, is uh, working in the background. Um, and we're going to um, uh, just play a run of Kingdom Death. We have to do it on Tabletop Simulator because we're not all in the same location. But we're going to do People of the Lantern up to the Watcher uh, as a shorter run. And and go from there, and perhaps do runs the way you guys have. Sounds cool. Eating all the yeah. bugs. No, no. We're not, <laughs> we're not taking advice from chat. Jik is like she she see what happens to you guys, and she's like, I could not I could not stand by that, and I'm like, I oh, know I couldn't either. Like I find <laughs> it really fun to watch, and you guys are such good sports putting up with it. But I I would be like, no, I'm not I'm not putting up with this nonsense. We, I I make enough nonsense in the game anyway. <laughs> You know, I want those bugs to put in cooking recipes because you can cook evasion as many times as you want. So, you know, I want that. Oh, we have it so the uh, chat can make their own bugs now. Ooh. So uh, we, we've got some interesting, interesting bugs. And, like, everything I try, like, all the fan stuff that gets added, I try to keep it somewhat balanced. I don't... You don't let it be completely game-breaking. I don't, I, I don't want to... Like, completely game breaking so like we had one of our fans uh, ice chamber he made a a bug that you ate and you got plus one luck mm-hmm. like luck's a really strong stat though it is it's the most powerful stat um so you die there i think there's a 40 percent chance of death on that one instead of the typical 30 mm-hmm. and then it's only like 20 percent success success rate instead of 30 or 40 depending on the bug so, like, I, I, I'm trying to balance them a little bit um, and make it work. So it, it, it has the same flavor as the rest of the game. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't become broken. 
Um, yeah. So we uh, we had some interesting. I just had a new bug that came in that's really interesting to see how that works on chat. Um, I think one of the bugs we got on Tuesday like heals a character. Okay. Like it, it heals all locations. Oh yeah, it right. heals all locations, and I think you're required to eat it when you get it, or something like that. There was a weird. I think Twitch was required to eat it when they got it because yeah. that that was one of the things asked for. It's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, or no, Twitch always no, Twitch always eats the bug. I didn't even give them a like. They're like, oh, they're going to eat it. They'll find out what it does afterwards. But uh, yeah, it heals your levels, and they got it when they were completely full. And they're just like, oh, that was. Disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Though I, I don't I don't think that one kills you if you, you roll bad. I think it just yeah. does I think it just does damage. That makes sense. But yeah, no, it's it's really interesting, uh especially the family content. There's a lot of content that's been made for the stream. Yeah. Uh we have a lot of uh new hunt events, settlement events, disorders, fighting arts, which are very interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the great things about Kingdom Death is how, because it's so modular, like fan stuff, uh, non-official stuff can easily be slotted in and, uh, uh, and introduced in little bits and pieces. I was just, uh, I was just looking, yeah, uh, so, so my solution with your luck, your luck bug is to depart with it in a satchel and then eat it with otherworldly luck on the tri- uh, on the hunt. And either, either I die on the hunt, or, or get my luck there. <laughs> plus one. I get plus one on the roll, then. Or, or eat it in the settlement, I guess. Yeah. Uh, though I, they've added some new fighting arts that help with bug eating now, so. <laughs> we'll see how that, that works out for them. Do you, what, like a, like, like Bone Whisperer, but for bugs, Bug Whisperer. <sighs> That's probably coming soon. Yeah. Uh, we have the, uh. Entomologist. Entomologist. Jesus, <laughs> the entomologist. Yeah, though it just helps picking bugs. You don't get a uh, not on eating. I, I, I think that's great, and it's it's wonderful that uh, that your fans are are that keen and enthusiastic <laughs> about trolling you that they want to create content for trolling. Yeah, no, you let them. Yeah, oh no, yeah, we definitely let them. Uh, yeah, so we we got we got some interesting stuff. Um, We've kind of redone the stream a bit. We've got a whole new alert system. Like it, it, it's just new alert system, new overlay for Kingdom Death. Uh, we're continuously growing and expanding and changing the way we're doing things. Yeah, I know you are, but how's the stream doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, good. It's great. Um, we just gave away a Sun's Dogger expansion. Uh, we, we have a new expansion that should be in the mail. Maybe we'll show it off on Tuesday. A new, new expansion. A, a new, a new giveaway, sorry. A new giveaway, Not, okay. A new giveaway. Yeah. Um, which will be really cool. It's something nobody's asked for, but we made it. Ooh. <laughs> People have asked for similar things, just not for this thing. It's something that people didn't know they needed in their life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm really excited to do that. Um, yeah, no, it's it's been crazy. Mm. Well, it's good you guys are doing so well. And of course, we've managed to get together and, and get an episode of Great Game Hunters done, and, and yeah. hopefully we can get the Lion Knight done. 
Yeah, so forward. this I'm was our excited about talking about the Dragon King now. Oh yeah, I mean this yeah. this served as a good warm up session, but I'm definitely ready to delve back into the uh, strategic talk yeah. of uh, the root of great game hunters here. You mean, young Matthew, you wish to guess I, the greatest thespian that ever walked these earths, the Lion Knight? Is is that his friend, Old Man Phoenix? I hear in the background. <laughs> Oh, man. I think Old Man Phoenix is far more forgetful and angry. So, uh, our next episode will probably be recorded mid October. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Fen is in the middle of a move, so uh. we got a couple of weeks till that. So, hopefully, this comes out, and then I'll release the first part of the Lion Night, uh, and then we'll be recording the second part soon so so yes. that's hopefully the lineup we got there and then we'll keep on going um Absolutely. and uh if we do figure out a stable time maybe we'll schedule a stream around it otherwise we'll just record it off stream and uh yeah. put it up for everyone well i, I either works uh, i must say i we've recorded this one off stream i've quite enjoyed it's been a bit more relaxed as, as i was saying before we started recording i get very distracted by chat yeah and suddenly i'm like what were we talking about huh? <laughs> So yeah, we'll see what we end up doing in the future. But yeah, we we're, yeah. We, we got this going. Uh, I'm glad to be that we're back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know there's a lot of fans that have been bugging us of uh, when no this is happening. Bugging <laughs> no. us. Um, so it's here. Uh, and then, as always, make sure you're on uh, Fence Patreon because I typically give him early access to the podcast. Yeah, you're supposed uh, to. I'm supposed to if if. If you remember. If I remember, I'd be like, all right, yeah. Fed, you got this for 24 hours instead of a week, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two hours, let's show it out. Yeah, no, but no, uh, great, yeah. no, uh, normally Fed has these up earlier, that, so you get a quick sneak peek of it beforehand, and then, uh, they'll go on the new podcast. Yeah. Um, and I do need to make some updates to the podcast, so if you do have it saved, you might need to re-add it to your podcast app or whatever. Um, oh come on! So I got to try to fix it. I uh, iTunes yelled at me recently that it was broken. Um, well, Podbean's perfectly happy with it. Yeah, so it, it should keep working, but uh, I might have to do a couple tweaks to it to make it work right. Yeah. So, um, but no, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, join us next time for uh, our next episode of Great Game Hunters. But we're talking uh, about uh, Lion Knight. Finishing up hey. the Lion Knight. Well, starting the Lion Knight. The, the, the order this is going to be released yeah. in, we'll be talking about the line, mate. Exactly. <laughs> yep. All right. All right, but signing off for now, I'm Matt. I'm Josh. And I'm Fen. And should we go through where you can catch us all? Uh, yeah, sure. So we are on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and we have our Discord channel set up. We are at Twist Gaming or Gaming underscore Twist, depending on what platform. Yeah. Uh, Fen, how about you? Uh, you can catch me on my Instagram, which is Instagram.com forward slash FenPaints, or my Patreon, which is Patreon.com forward slash FenPaints. Uh, and um, that's the main two places. Otherwise, you can just catch me in the Lantern's Rain Discord. Uh, and uh, well, Or your Discord, you or our Discord. Or, yeah, my personal <laughs> Discord. Which is big. Oh, hang on, hang on. A lot of my patrons have, have kind of missed this, because it is right there in the welcome section. I, maybe I can make it more prominent. I'm going to take responsibility for that. There's a Discord link in in there in the description. And if you join, make sure that your Discord role is set up correctly and you should get your name set up in orange. If you're a patron and you haven't done, let Atmosphere Jones know and she will sort you out. 
Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> that's uh, that's the end of that. I, I've got nothing more to say, guys. Honest. All right, Josh. Is there anything else? I think that's it. So. All right. Thank you all for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Great Game Hunter signing off. Bye, everyone. Bye.